This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. We will be discussing budget 2022 to 2023 in this episode of the Suno India show. For more on the economy, check out our series Indian Economy Explained. Union budget 2022 to 2023 comes at a time of rising inflation while we continue to grapple with the pandemic. In 2020, we saw migrant workers walking home across the country. In 2021, we learned that the pandemic made the rich richer and the poor poorer. People have been turning to social welfare schemes more and more in the current climate. For example, the Mahatma Gandhi National Rural Employment Guarantee Act or the Narega scheme has seen increased demand since the start of the pandemic. As of February 2022, 7.7 million households that had demanded work under Narega have still not received it. People have been turning to food subsidies too. There has also been a public demand for focus on health infrastructure and education. However, the budget has focused on capital expenditure rather than safety nets for the needy. Rupees 7.5 lakh crores have been allocated to capital expenditure with a 35% increase from last year's allocation of rupees 5.5 lakh crores. Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee and I'm reporting for this episode of the Suno India show. I spoke to Avani Kapoor, a fellow at the Center for Policy Research where she leads the accountability initiative. So let's find out how the budget has accommodated social welfare in a country with a growing wealth divide. The Oxfam report on inequality in India showed how in the pandemic the rich got much richer and the poor poorer. The richest 10% of Indians now own nearly half the country's wealth. So will the budget help shrink this wealth gap? Thanks for bringing up inequality into the discussion which often gets missed when we are talking about budgets and finances. Before I answer the question specifically, I think it's useful to just look at some of the really worrying numbers. that came out in the oxfam report and it kind of puts things into perspective so as you uh, said the richest 98 indians own the same amount of wealth as the bottom 552 million people the number of billionaires in the country increased from 102 to 142 during the pandemic even as more than 4.6 crore indians fell into extreme poverty as per oxfam's calculations The increase in wealth the top 11 billionaires of India during the pandemic can sustain the Narega scheme the MGNREGS program Mahatma Gandhi National Rural Employment Guarantee scheme for 10 years or the health ministry for 10 years and then of course there is the huge impact that the pandemic has had in terms of income so again the numbers suggest that India has fared far worse than many of the other countries with 84% of indian households suffering a drop in income what we also know is that during the pandemic we've seen a rise in education inequalities so the big digital divide with school closures and having to move to online classes we know that that's been a particular struggle for those that are from 
vulnerable households. So in fact, again, 2017 data from the National um, Survey Organization suggests that they found that just 3% of the poorest 20% of Indian households had access to a computer and just 9% had access to the internet. And I would like to pause here just to just think about these numbers. And the fact that the budget was coming soon after some of these numbers were out in the public domain. So what can the budget do? And I think the union budget had two things it could do. On the one hand, it could realize that the pandemic impact isn't over. So it can't be a business as usual budget. So while it's well known that our tax to GDP ratio is poor, we could have re-evaluated our tax measures and formulated a budget that's far more expansive and redistributive by ensuring that there are adequate safety nets to the vulnerable and employment opportunities for those that need them. Instead, what was focused um, in the budget was the idea of the trickle-down approach. The idea that focusing on economic growth and increasing the wealth of often the richest people will gradually benefit the poorest as well. Unfortunately, I don't think this was the time and place to do that. And it was a bit premature to move in this direction already. So one of the things that you mentioned is how, uh, you know, like the increase in the wealth of the riches can sustain the Narega scheme for the next 10 years or something. That's something you mentioned. So is uh, taxing the rich, is that something that you feel should have been featured in this budget? Definitely. I think I think one of the challenges for the Indian state is, especially the union government, is the size of a state is small, right? And and one of the biggest problems in terms of revenue generation is that our tax to GDP ratio is pretty poor, um, which means that you do need to generate additional resources. Now, where do you get them from? You can't currently, a lot of the taxation that the government has been relying on, in fact, a lot of the health budget is coming from this is taxes. So this is the tax on tax that is um, that is added. And these are indirect taxes. That means that taxes, for example, affect everyone almost equally. So if you go and recharge your phone, um, you go out, you have this element of cess that gets added into your bill. On the other hand, when you have tax labs, that allows for certain sections of society to almost give back to the society based on their tax brackets. So as a country, again, we need to definitely step up our direct tax collection. And um, we do know that a very small proportion of India actually pay taxes. Within that, those that are at the richest and topmost of the salary brackets definitely need to be taxed more. Unfortunately, we didn't see any tweaking on the tax labs. Neither did we see additional incentives for those that that for for example the middle class, nor did we see of increase in tax labs for those that can afford to pay. So there have been urgent demands for better health infrastructure, uh, especially as we're in this pandemic, with more doctors, better hospitals, proper wages for ASHA workers and so on. Uh, the budget for healthcare has been pegged at 1.8% of GDP. Uh, so what do you think about this? You're right. So even prior to the pandemic, India's health infrastructure has been very weak. We have high out-of-pocket expenditure, which again exacerbate inequalities. As per official data, there are 9,702 people per government allopathic doctor in India. 9,702. <laughs> Similarly, there are 1,926 people per government hospital bed. And while these numbers sound um, huge, I think they became really real for most of us during the COVID pandemic, right? You had every state almost struggling to find hospital beds, um, struggling to have adequate doctors. You had hotels being converted into makeshift shift hospitals. So in some ways, 
while we've always said that India's health infrastructure has been weak and there have been attempts to increase it, I think the pandemic made this even starker and very real. The last few years, there have been some attempts at focusing on health system strengthening, but somehow recently, particularly this forget prioritization, we seem to be going backwards when it comes to health spending. The economic survey uh, came out um, just before the union budget and I had an opportunity to look at some of those numbers. The one thing about the economic survey and that's what's useful to look at is it presents a combined picture of center and states. So the argument often when we say, why has the union government not expanded its health budget? The argument back is, well, health is a state subject. It's up to the states who are the primary the primary people um, who are responsible for pending on health. But the union government gives combined expenditures of the general government, so center and states. So what the economic survey showed was that as a share of the GDP, India spent the same proportion in 2019-20 as it did in 2015-16, which is 1.3% on health. In fact, the 1920 numbers were even lower than the previous year. And remember again that we've been committing to spend 2.5% of our GDP. So far, the commitment is by 2025, we should have spent about 2.5% of our GDP. And this commitment has been going on for many years, but we're yet to see that. Yeah, and, and even in the budget, so the focus on health is uh, more about digitization of health records from what I understood. But interestingly, there is a mention of mental health. Uh, and, and some people have taken note of that, that, you know, that's not something that the government sort of needed to do, but they've made a point to sort of include that. Uh, but what do you think about about it? Like how they have mentioned, you know, mental health? Uh, do, do you think it's going to actually make an impact in terms of like health services? No, so I was definitely impressed that mental health found mention in the budget speech. In fact, I think this was one of the shorter budget speeches. It was around 90 minutes. And uh, we know that mental health is definitely critical. And again, during the pandemic, the need for to recognize mental health as an important issue, the need to ensure that you have ways to address it was very evident during the pandemic. So they talked about these tele-mental health centers of excellence. I think NIMHANS is one of the nodal agencies. Um, IIT Bangalore has been provided technological support for a mental health program. She mentioned mental health and I think that I was I was really happy about that. But I think, again, while telecenters are really important, and again, the pandemic showed that those could be a medium where we could reach many people. Again, the question comes when it, come, when it comes to inequality divide, how are you going to reach those um, that don't necessarily have access to phones um, or do not have the electricity in place to allow you to um, actually have consultations for long? At the same time, medicines for mental health are by far the most expensive. Um, so while telehealth clinics can be the first step. What happens afterwards? Where do you go from, in some ways, diagnosing the problem to actually providing solutions and providing support? And right now, at least, the budget didn't have any clarity on that. So as you've mentioned, children have suffered in this uh, pandemic, especially through a loss in education. There has also been a shift from private schools to more affordable government schools. What does the budget allocated for uh, children and education and I would like you to speak a bit more about this also because according to the Huck Center for Child Rights, children's share in the budget is lowest in 11 years. 
Yes, the children budget is very low, and while in theory, if you look at the statement that is put out by the government, so it's a statement that kind of collates all the different schemes specifically for children. It has increased compared to the revised estimates from eighty thousand crores to ninety two seven three seven crores, to be precise. But this is coming in the backs of when the revised estimates were already low. So you had seen a dip. So in that sense, this increase looks a lot, but actually it's not as much because the base was uh, lower. And you're completely right. I think as a share of total government expenditure, it's always been minuscule. It's around it's around the two percent mark. And as you rightly said, um, this year it was two point three five percent compared to what was budgeted last year, which was two point four six percent. But like I said, this statement is an aggregation of schemes, so it's all. It's useful to look at what are the different components or at least some of the components that go into the child budget statement. So here an important component and you spoke about education is Samagra Shiksha, the flagship scheme for uh, school education. And so while the budget saw an increase in theory, it's unclear how this new money is going to be used. And this is where the speech was very, very unclear. And unfortunately, disaggregated data is not available. But if you were to go by what was stated in the budget speech, it seems like it, the focus is again very much on digital technology and that that's worrying. Um, we've had school closures for the better part of the last two years, and we've seen a significant loss in learning. I think there's been enough evidence that digital technology, and especially given the numbers that I started off with, with such a low proportion of the poorest households having access to internet, having access to mobile phones, having access to televisions, etc., or computers, it's very clear that digital technology is not going to be able to solve the education inequalities. What we need to do now is now that schools have reopened, we need to ensure that both the children who have dropped out, how do you ensure that they get integrated back into the system? How do you ensure that children catch up in their learning? And as you said, if government enrollments have increased, how do you accommodate for this additional demand? Right now, the while the allocations have increased a little bit, it's unclear how they're going to be addressing these aspects. Because like I said, it, the focus was a lot more on digital um, and technology. Another example, when you look at budgets for children, is the midday meal scheme now called the PM portion. Um, it caters to, as per official records, 118 million school-going children and provides this hot-cooked meal in government and government-aided schools. And here too, we've seen a complete stagnation. This year, for instance, the revised estimates were just over 10 thousand crores i think 10000 234 crores to be precise which was significantly lower than last year and this is despite the fact that based on orders from the supreme court the idea was that even when children are not going to school states have to provide this something called food security allowance which comprised of food grains pulses oils etc directly to children's homes so either money in lieu of that or or actual grains um, etc. There was also this additional provision of money during the school vacations. But yeah, allocations are so low and they've been hovering around the 10,000 mark for some time now. In fact, one of the important aspects of this program was to expand and provide these hot-cooked meals to students, even studying in pre-primary or balvaticas, along with the elementary school students uh, from this year, as in from fiscal year 2022-23. And as per our estimates, that would require an additional funds of about 300 between 300 and 400 crores. But forget additional funds, like I said, budgets have actually been cut. What's even more worrying when you think about children is the very staggering numbers um, that came out in 2017 that 68% of all deaths of children under five or which amounts to about 
1935 deaths a day are due to malnutrition related factors yet even the icds which is now part of this newly announced saksham anganwadi and poshan 2.0 which provides basic education health and nutritional services for early childhood development the allocations today are lower than the sub components in 2020 21 and this is all the while where we know that the number of children who are availing benefits of icds has been falling so as per government's own official data between 2016 and 2021 the number of children aged 6 months to 6 years while the number of children was estimated to increase by 7.6% if you look at the population growth during the same period the number of children 3 to 6 receiving preschool education declined by 34% from 35 million to 23 million so a lot of these programs and schemes that look at children have been neglected for many years and unfortunately continue to be neglected right so to end with uh, do you want to share what are some of the things that you were expecting or hoping for from this budget you know that you've not shared yet and was there anything that surprised you so this year for a change in some ways i didn't have too many hopes for the social sector not because i don't think it's a priority i think it is a priority um, but i had limited hopes at least for education and nutrition primarily because when we were looking at data we recently did an analysis of even just release data we saw a significant slowdown in money being released there were orders that indicated that expenditure should be cut and so don't release funds too fast um, limit them um, as this is typical strategy is done to when you want to um, contract expenditure and so we'd seen this coming in some ways so when people were saying oh we had hopes for the social sector at least for education nutrition i don't think i had many hopes there and i was kind of expecting the allocations to be either stagnant or stagnant and not really increase much but i think where i was surprised and where i was hoping was that unlike last year where the union government was also severely constrained when it came to their fiscal resources this year was better the economic survey which came out just before the budget in its own analysis it showed that revenue receipts of the union government between april to november had gone up by 67.2% as against an estimated growth of 9.6% in the budget estimates we saw that tax collections had been buoyant for both direct and indirect taxes and even the gst collection after stagnating during the lockdown period last year had crossed 1 lakh crore consistently since july so in such a time when you do have that fiscal space i was expecting that there would be attention paid to at least some of the social safety nets that worked well um, during the height of the pandemic so whether it was um, narega whether it was food subsidy we're coming at a time when we've seen a significant rise in unemployment as per even the cmi the center for monitoring indian economy data we know that unemployment is is still high we know that the informal sector has been deep impacted we know that vulnerabilities and inequalities have increased in such a time to solely focus on capital expenditure in some ways um and cut revenue expenditure which means a big cut even in these social safety nets which proved really well for us during the second wave we were able to rely on this large architecture of welfare by actually providing money grains into people's hands i was expecting a little bit more on that because i think the budget is coming when we were in our third wave it's not the budget seemed to suggest that covid pandemic as well as the impact of it seems to have dissipated 
we know that both the pandemic isn't completely over but more importantly the short term medium term and long term impact of the pandemic is going to last for many years so i was i think surprised by that not positively that we're we're focusing on capital expenditure which on any other time may have been a good thing um, but not now i think the finance minister in her speech spoke about how the government's focus is on inclusive development and i think she'd used she'd said she'd spoken about empowerment of citizens especially the poor and marginalized unfortunately the budget didn't seem to the budget numbers didn't seem to play up to this focus right is there anything else that you would like to say no i think i think every year all of us are always surprised by the budget and it's interesting to hear different people's commentaries the social sector gets a lot of attention but from the commentaries but unfortunately not always from the budget so here's hoping that we are all able to actually focus a little bit more on welfare and at least of money that has been allocated i'm hoping that it's spent well and spent on the right things and so that we don't exacerbate the inequalities that are already staggering like in it. a country like india underreported and underrepresented students can become mainstream only if it reaches more people areas of so please support for us by visiting in the year of 2020 इकोनॉमिक सर्वे एंड बजट इन दिस्क्रिप्शन